This information is subject to a disclaimer at the end of this podcast. Please ensure that you listen to the disclaimer and go to www.ubs.com for further information about UBS. Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to UBS Research Pod Hub, a channel that shares insights from economists, strategists, and equity analysts on the pivotal questions and events shaping today's market. My name is Kelsey Persley, and I'm the Industrial Sector Specialist at UBS. In this episode, we are going to be taking a look at the progress made on supersonic travel, and I'm so pleased to be joined by Miles Walton, UBS Aerospace Defense and Airlines Analyst. So, Miles, to kick things off here, let's talk about why you did this report and what kind of market size is there for supersonic travel. Thanks, Kelsey. It's great to great to talk with you. Supersonic commercial travel has been dormant really since the Concorde was taken out of service 17 years ago, but there's been a lot of momentum building towards creating a path, carving that path for both viable supersonic aircraft to exist, but also, this is important, a regulatory framework that can allow the business model for supersonic travel to be more successful than it has been in the past. And, and this is a big market we're talking about. We're thinking upward of $340 billion in value through 2040, considering both the manufacturing revenues as well as the operation revenue. Now, why don't we have supersonic travel today? What are the obstacles that need to be overcome? Yeah, there's technical and regulatory hurdles that are keeping us from going above Mach 1, and that, that those still need to be addressed. And they need to be addressed to make the economics really work. And on the technical side, um, there's, a, there's a litany of things from noise suppression to thermal management, integrated propulsion systems, and, and emissions control. And on the regulatory column, it's really about noise, it's also about emissions, but it's also about integrating these supersonic jets into an airspace that currently only allows subsonic commercial travel. So now, who are the players, and what is the timeline for moving this from the drawing board to the runway? Yeah, there's a couple of private companies that have really stepped up and, and brought this to the forefront of pop culture at this point and made the case for supersonic commercial travel. Uh, real capital is getting put to work in the form of manufacturing facilities and even flight test articles. And on the regulatory side, the FAA is the body that defines the rules by which supersonic business jets and commercial jets can be tested and eventually flown in the U.S. Importantly, the FAA and the government have been moving towards making these rules, particularly for testing, more malleable and supportive uh, for overland commercial flying. Now, the timeline to service and entry to service looks like the late 2020s for business jets, and, and closer to the mid to late 2030s for commercial transportation. And the business jets will be a little bit sooner to the market, simply because the operating economics are less sensitive in that piece of the market. All right. So now, assuming that supersonic jets succeed, do you expect current plane makers to retain dominance or become disruptive? Yeah, we don't think the legacy jet providers will simply ignore the success if there is some by the disruptors. And instead, would expect one of two angles, either innovation through acquisition or some level of organic innovation. And that's not to say that those legacy providers aren't already doing uh, quite a bit of work around these areas of supertronic travel. But I do think the disruptors have a little bit of advantage because they're not trying to cannibalize their own business to try and create a new venture. Now, one of the biggest advantages, though, that the incumbents are going to have is they have a service and support network. And in the end, having a supersonic jet is great. Uh, but it also needs to be super reliable and always ready to be flown. And that's going to push, I think, uh, 
the disruptor and the legacy player towards partnerships at a minimum where the established players uh, can provide that service and support network. All right. So now in that vein, I know that you're on the phone with clients all day. What has been their reaction? And has there been any really big areas of focus or pushback? So this is one of those thematic areas is a little further out in the future from an investment perspective. But I put the put the feedback in two camps. The first camp is what I call cheerleaders. Cheerleaders for you know, the technical innovation, the enthusiasm, the optimism of higher, faster, and, and, and further. And I think the second um, camp has really been a little bit of a critical eye, critical eye towards supersonic jet market as a, uh, you know, as a concern from an ESG perspective. And that ESG aspect, I think, is going to be really important for these supersonic jet providers to not just think about, but, but really craft effective counterpoints to make the business case closed. And I know that you mentioned, obviously, that this is a bit futuristic. So what are the next steps ahead in terms of milestones in the near term, in the long term? Can you walk us through that? Yeah, in the near term, we've got two private companies in the market that are in the midst of either flight testing or manufacturing startups. And on the testing side, just this past month, uh, the Kansas Department of Transportation actually set up a supersonic transportation corridor that runs about 700 nautical miles and is going to allow overland testing up to Mach 3 by commercial aircraft uh, test articles. Now, from a science perspective, NASA's X-59 jet is also scheduled for rollout in 21, flight test in 2022. And why that's important is that vehicle is going to test not speed limits, but instead noise limits. And, and that being the way for overland flight to exist in the U.S. as the marketplace and the regulatory framework moves away from simply being an odometer, uh, excuse me, a speedometer of how fast we're moving and really looks at it more of what's the noise footprint on the ground as the way to regulate things. Got it. Okay. So now if things progress faster than you think, why could that happen? I think more players in the market exhibiting confidence in both the business jet application and the commercial jet application will, will be self fulfilling or reinforcing encourage more investment particularly on the propulsion side if you look at the the actual aircraft itself it's propulsion that'll probably be where the disproportion amount of work needs to be made i think the other thing that could be an accelerant would be a a, a faster uh co-investment by the u.s government for military applications of some kind that would really be what i'd consider an unplanned accelerant. and if things progress slower than you think you know why could that happen probably will or money. Uh, aerospace is not an easy industry to push boundaries in. It's not building a new app um, and hoping a billion people download it. It's about putting a billion dollars of capital in place, testing it, validating it, dealing with failures. And there will be setbacks and companies will have to have both the will and the money to push through those little failures along the way to get to the other side. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Miles, and thank you to our listeners for visiting the UBS Research Pod Hub. That was an introduction and overview of supersonic travel and where we believe it's headed from here. Uh, with myself, Kelsey Persley, UBS's Industrial Sector Specialist, and Miles Walton, UBS's Aerospace Defense and Airlines Analyst. Be sure to tune in again for more investment insights. This content has been prepared by UBS AG, its subsidiaries, and or affiliates, and is purely informational in nature. It is not investment research and does not contain an investment recommendation nor investment or professional advice.
It is not an offer or solicitation to engage in any investment activity, and you should seek your own financial, tax, and legal advice before engaging in any such activity. UBS has no responsibility to you in relation to this content. It has no regard to your personal circumstances or investment objectives, and receiving it does not imply any form of client relationship with UBS for any legal, regulatory, or tax purpose. This content is not intended for distribution into any jurisdiction where to do so would be contrary to law or regulation. UBS does not accept any liability over the content of such material or reliance upon any information contained herein. The views and opinions expressed by any guest speaker or third party are not those of UBS. Accordingly, UBS does not accept any liability over any such views and opinions expressed by such persons. This content is the valuable intellectual property of UBS, and UBS specifically prohibits the redistribution of it in whole or in part without its prior written permission. Copyright UBS 2021. The key symbol and UBS are among the registered and unregistered trademarks of UBS, all rights reserved.